Alvin, Alvin, it happened. It happened. That <laughs> is the sound of Lions fans everywhere going the fuck out because Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, you are out of here. It's the Motown call. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Normally, we would record this right after the Lions game, but the Lions played on Thanksgiving. The game itself is not what we were necessarily looking into. We were looking forward to what, when it didn't happen on Friday, I didn't expect it to happen. So I kind of was going on throughout my day. And then yesterday we get the message. In fact, you actually broke the news to me, Alvin, that Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn have been relieved of their duties by, by the Detroit Lions. So just tell me how you're feeling, Alvin. Chris, what a great way to end Thanksgiving weekend. Christmas came early. Thank you, Deshaun Watson, for putting up 40 fantasy points and just crushing the Lions. 41 points. I mean, it speaks for itself, that game. I think that was the final straw. I mean, honestly, it should have been a few games ago, but hey, I'm I'm super stoked. I, I think I'd speak for all Detroit fans, or at least most of them. We needed Patricia Gunn. So I'm sure you're ecstatic. I'm sure, you know, just reading everything. You know, even Twitter, radio, you know, people know this is the right move. Yeah, it's absolutely the right move. It feels like it should have happened a couple times already this year. You kind of got the feeling that there was a chance that it could have happened after that Atlanta game, even though they had beat the Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars, just not a good team, but took that miraculous touchdown drive that Lions fandom went apeshit about for no fucking reason uh, against the Falcons that walk off win there. And then they lost the next two. And you, I kind of got that feeling in my elbow again that it was going to happen. And then they uh, had the lead against Washington blew the lead. And then they had, they were saved by Matt Prater's foot. So he got to live another day when they, when they got shut out 20 to nothing by the Panthers last Sunday, I knew that it wasn't going to happen the next day because you're not going to fire your head coach and then have two days to prepare for a Thanksgiving game. You're, you're going to see it out through that Thanksgiving game. And then, as you said, they lost 41-25. Yeah, we are Patricia-less here in Detroit, and it could not have come at a better time. Thanks, uh, so God. I would, I would like to thank Sheila Ford Amp here for, for finally doing it. She's off to a good start. I was one of those people, Chris, that going into this year, look, I wanted it to work out with Patricia. There was a lot of people going for his head after last season. But you got to give a guy the third, you know, his third year. Um, I felt like we had momentum going in and I wanted it to work. You know, I wasn't I wasn't just going into the season thinking, hey, Patricia's not the guy. I wanted it to work, but you literally just have to watch the games and you can see that this team was not coached well. And I, obviously the last two games, it's just been God awful to watch. And it's one of those things where if Sheila didn't cut, make the move by this weekend, it would have just had our fan base just question, you know, her as an owner as well. Now she's only been what a year into the job. But look, the, the, the encouraging thing is she's not out of touch. She knows that the fan base is she's losing the fan base. And um, look, I wanted it to work, man. But, 
you got to go. You, you're not Belichick. And, you know, New England's defense this year, they're not that good of a football team, and the, but they're pretty good, their defense. And they don't have Patricia. I think that I think, uh, and, and let's not let's also not forget about Quinn though, uh, Bob Quinn. I mean, I don't I don't think he obviously it, he he deserves. I actually think he probably deserves most of the blame. Yeah, he definitely does. He pretty much hitched his wagon one hundred percent to Matt Patricia. They interviewed, like for example, they interviewed Mike Brabel, who's now the coach with the Tennessee Titans. And uh, let me check my notes here. Oh yeah, he coached in the AFC Championship <laughs> game against the Chiefs. He essentially ended Tom Brady's career in New England with knocking them out in the first round. So that was a guy that interviewed for the job. From what I heard, this is where he wanted to be. But Bob Quinn is essentially just sitting there in the interview, going, "Yeah." Yeah, because we've all had those interviews where they have to give you the interview because it's on their list to do, but they already have somebody in mind for that job and they're just kind of going through. They might, I've had interviews like that. I had an interview with a, with a company uh, and I was just sitting through the interview and it was pretty much lining up all of the negatives for their company. They didn't give a single positive and I'm like, oh, so you you don't, you're not interested. You're just doing it because you scheduled it. You already have somebody else in mind for this position. They're like, oh, yeah, and we'll, you know, we call everybody regardless. I never got a call from them. Think about it. We could have got Rabel. Oh, my God. And that's the ultimate failure of Bob Quinn. As general manager, you need to be a talent evaluator. And when you get this opportunity, you get this golden opportunity to replace your head coach. You completely shit the bed with the third worst head coach in Lions history, winning percentage-wise behind Marty Morningwig and Rod Marinelli. Uh, Matt Patricia finished his tenure with the Lions at 13-29-1, a 3-14 winning percentage. Again, Marty Morningwig, 156, Rod Marinelli, 208. And also, Rob Baradelli had the infamous 0-16 season in 2008. So, it didn't go well. Bob Quinn, in that when they had that press conference and they got rid of Jim Caldwell, which at the time was the correct thing to do. It was time to move on from Jim Caldwell. We had gone 9-7 and in back-to-back years. We did not make the playoffs his final year. We did make the playoffs the previous year against the Seahawks. That's what saved him from being fired in 2016 because ultimately with a franchise like the Lions, you are not going to fire your head coach after they just made the playoffs, even though when he took in, normally when a general manager takes the job, the general manager does get a say in hiring a new head coach. So, but Martha Ford said, uh, Jim Caldwell is my guy. I love Jim Caldwell. So he had to stay until he could find a chance to get out of it. And it was the right time to move on from Jim Caldwell. But he stood up there in that press conference and said, nine and seven is not good enough. And he hires a man that in two and a half season wins 13 games. You brought up such a good point. I wanted to ask you this, Chris, because people who, 
you know, I guess the Patri- people who are defending um, Quinn and Patricia, and there's like a, like what a very very I don't know maybe one or two people that I know. Who the fuck is um, defending? I listen. We are in the United States of America in 2020. We agree on nothing emphatically. Just look at the most recent presidential election. Not to dive deeply into politics, <laughs> just to use that as an example. This is a country that agrees on nothing. Matt Patricia had what a nine percent approval rating, and I guarantee you that that nine percent only approved of the coach because he hated the players so much because they were kneeling for the national anthem. That's my one hot take of anybody <laughs> who can defend Matt Patricia. Yeah, it's the, it's the players. But then it gets back to well, okay, if it's the players, then it's on the general manager who brought in the players that you don't like. Well, but I was going to ask you this, Chris, too. Patricia, people have to know, Patricia was brought in to get us to the next level. He wasn't brought in to, I mean, completely start over, rebuild the team and and, and change the, I mean, you can say he, 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 they did get him to change the culture because, you know, we were a nine and seven team. We weren't getting over that big hump, but he was supposed to take us to the next level, not not regress. And I did want to bring up Caldwell because we've been hearing that a lot this week, even on national TV. I don't know if you saw Stephen A. Smith. It's actually nice seeing the seeing Lions uh, content on on these national <laughs> sports shows. Finally, they realize but, we exist. Yeah, um, but they they keep bringing up Caldwell, right? And how they should have never fired him, and he was. You know, winning percentage. I believe he is our best coach uh, that we've that the Lions have ever had. But at that time, it's it, hindsight twenty twenty. At that time, everyone was going for Call the Woods head. You know, because they weren't getting over the hump. They still weren't winning the playoff games. That we were getting to the playoffs, but there were these little boneheaded mistakes here and there where we were like, okay, we need we need someone that will take us over the top to become an actual contender. So. Do I think we should have kept Caldwell? No, because at that time, he was. It's good to acknowledge that he was a good coach for us, and he did change the culture. When the when the when he was here, the players loved him. The culture was good. We were winning games, but he still wasn't the guy that was going to get us to where we want to go. So, um, what do you think about Caldwell? Do you think that we should have kept Caldwell? So when it comes to Jim Caldwell, he was cooked when the Lions played the week 16 against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, because we were going in. We needed to win out to get into the playoffs and we had won two the last two games. We needed to win the last two games. We needed to be 10 and six to get into the playoffs. And we went into Cincinnati Cincinnati was a demoralized team. Marvin Lewis was finally going to get the ax in Cincinnati after so many, because Marvin Lewis had been there for years. He'd been there since the early 2000s. He'd been there for 15 years at least. We went in and we lost. We lost. It was a very demoralizing loss against a team that had no reason to win. They weren't going to the playoffs. But they won enough to justify uh, their team, the Cincinnati Bengals, to even rehire Marvin Lewis for one more year. 
So it was time to move on. It was, but it's always good to acknowledge that he did take us to a different level. He brought the Lions to relevance, I would say. I mean, oh, we without a doubt. We were Think about how we ended division. 2013 season with Jim Schwartz. We had that Monday night football game against the Ravens. It's the only Monday night football game I've ever attended in person where we lost the only offense from the Baltimore Ravens was Justin Tucker's foot. We lost. They, they were only able to hit field goals, but they hit five of them. Our offense couldn't do anything. And then we played the Giants six days later, got throttled. And we knew it was time for Jim Schwartz to go. Jim Caldwell comes in year one, changes the culture, largely with Jim Schwartz's players. Uh, they do make the free agent acquisitions of your Glover Quinns, your Reggie Bushes, and they go 11 and five, make the playoffs, lose a questionable game to the Dallas Cowboys, regress to seven and nine in 2015, where you see Martha Ford do her job as owner and fire Martin Mayhew, Tom Lewan, uh, Joe Lombardi was fired and, during that season as well. And that 2015 season, that was, that was Caldwell's only losing season. If you recall, that was a season where it was Aaron Rodgers, Hail Mary, I believe. Yep, that right? was the Aaron. Yep, that was the, uh, the it was I mean, Thursday We would have been 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. Yep. And we were still, even though we had finished 7-9, we were still playing meaningful games. I mean, if we won that Packers game, I remember that. We needed to win that Packers game. But yeah, no, it was... Oh, and yeah. Then, and then following that 2015, 2016, didn't we have three national games, if I, if I recall? I believe so, yes. And quickly going back to the 2015, that was the year that we won in Lambeau Field for the first time in 23 years. And right when we won that game, we were making the comeback where you had Rich Eisen on the NFL Network say that his team to make the wild card was still going to be the Detroit Lions because they were going to run the table because they were bad, but they were focused. They were hungry. Jim Caldwell was able to motivate a team that was down, that was demoralized. And they just, yeah, they had the Hail Mary with, with Aaron Rodgers. It bled into the next game against the Rams. Well, we, we should have, we should have, won that second game, the Hail Mary game too. Do you remember? We, that was a phantom face call mask or a, a phantom uh, a face call, a face mask that was called to, to give him another shot. I mean, we should have won that too. So he, there's these little things under the Caldwell era, which I remember under the Caldwell era, there was just so many things where we were getting frustrated that he wasn't lashing, you know, lashing out, you know, being emotional about these, these, these crazy calls. But yeah, no, I just wanted to point that in there, Chris, because I'll never get over that 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 phantom face mask. And, to give and him you that said it right there. Uh, it's Jim Caldwell was boring, but Jim Caldwell prepared his team. Jim Caldwell had that culture, which was the first thing Matt Patricia destroyed when he came in. And you can yeah, we, see that by the flurry of tweets from former players. Uh, it started with the uh, the googly eye emoji from Darius Slay, quote, retweeted uh, somebody and said, I was the problem, though. And then the laughing, crying emoji. 
You had Ashawn Robinson, who doesn't tweet, uh, jump in on that and say, you get what you deserve. And then also adding, haha, told me you'll take my career away from me, but I guess they had other plans for you. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, former player, now on ESPN, chimed in with, real impactful move is full start over and move on from Stafford, which is shocking to hear from Darren from Dan Orlovsky because he makes it sound like Stafford can walk on water. We're going to get into Stafford a little bit later here in the pod. Uh, and then you had uh, former Lions Stephen Tulloch say, fired the best news I've heard all year. The city of Detroit and its fans deserve so much better all capitals. The form, the Ford family took necessary steps today to ensure that we need right leadership to lead this team. And then you also had uh, Ziggy Ansa also retweet we slay. I was the problem. So <laughs> I miss Tulloch. Yeah, Tulloch was a Tulloch. Yeah, <laughs> miss Tulloch. I don't miss him celebrating with that discount double check that ended his career. But, <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, oh, and we also we also had Eric Ebron chime in on this and said about to text Bob Quinn, see if he's see if he's straight. My favorite reply to that was somebody said Eric Ebron drops his phone after he sends this. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to give a I don't give a shit what Eric Ebron has to say. He he hates the city of Detroit. It seems like he hates our fans. Honestly, Chris, uh, let me I'm going to ask him to be on the pod. I'll reach out to Ebron. I would love for Ebron to be on the pod just so we can all be like, hey, you know, if he just draft, if Martin Mayhew just drafts Aaron Donald in that place and not you, Martin Mayhew's probably still here. And we'd all just be happier. Definitely. Okay. It's time for us to go down the list of potential GM and coaches. So this one is going to be the harder of the one I feel like to talk about because Nobody sits around and plays fantasy general manager. Oh, can you imagine if we have this guy? If we, I, I'm sure there there are, but they're probably the incels of the sports community. They just do nothing else but just sit in their basement. Yeah. <laughs> so just just a list here. Um, there is a name on here that I'm going to go into a little bit of somebody that I want. It's not the sexy name that is pretty much out there in any talking point on this subject here, but we've got Lewis Riddick, who most people know currently for being on ESPN. Uh, Rick Smith, who was the former general manager of the Tennessee Titans until 2017. He unfortunately had to step away from his position uh, because his wife got sick with cancer and Bill O'Brien took over as the GM with being the coach We've seen where that's gone. You also have Ed Dodds, uh, who is the assistant general manager of the Colts. Uh, Mike Borgazzi, uh, the player personnel for uh, Kansas City. And Joe Horowitz, player personnel for the Ravens, are all people that have been attached to this position. Uh, so I'm going to let you kind of go into this. I have my person on that list that I would like, but I'll let you kind of go first. I think this is the harder between the GM and co- head coach. This is definitely the harder decision. And I'm going to be honest, Chris, in terms of GM, I don't have a favorite right now. I think for me, I know another name that's being put out there is Chris Spielman, but he doesn't have 
that name was put out by one person only. That was put out by Herman Moore. And God bless Herman Moore. I love Herman Moore. But fuck that. That's stupid. (laughs) That's 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 the mentality that has gotten (laughs) us in this place. And as I said on last week's podcast, I'm not a believer in SOL only because the term SOL then normalizes the behavior of the last six years with this team. It's a mantra that makes sense with this team, but if I'm Sheila Ford, I'm coming out and saying, listen, same old Lions, SOL, yeah, that kind of worked for my parents. I'm here to bury that. That's not going to happen under my watch. That's what I want to hear. But yeah, I'll let you finish. But Chris Spielman is with his <laughs> SOL to you know, he's good on TV. That's that's the Matt Millen thing. No, absolutely not. God bless Herman Moore. I love Herman Moore. I hope he's on the podcast someday, but that's a terrible idea. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and I'm gonna say this again, I don't have a favorite because in terms of like you said, I'm not I'm not over here uh in my spare time looking at what these you know, assistant GMs and coaches and what they're doing. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't done enough research, I'd say, but, you know, Riddick, he's great on TV. He's great on TV, but he doesn't have, he was what, scouting? He was, um, he was, he did scouting for the Eagles, right? When, when, uh, I think during the Michael Vick era. Uh, Lewis Riddick, yeah, he came, he came from the Eagles. He was the director of pro personnel from yeah. 2010 to 2013. So, yeah, during the Michael Vick era. Yeah. Uh, but that would be a good pickup of let's take a flyer on Michael Vick because he did make them uh, yeah. he did make them relevant. So yeah, that, they, he did. That would be a, that'd be a pro in Lewis Riddick's despite people's feelings on Michael Vick, which that we're yeah. not going to get into in this podcast. Yeah, but I, I honestly want to hear your favorite, Chris, because if I were to say, I mean, Riddick would be very interesting choice. It's intriguing, I think. But what worries me is obviously he's never been a GM before. Uh, his experience is pretty limited. He's just been on TV. He's great on TV. He knows his stuff. He knows football. But GM is extremely important for where this franchise and where we want the Lions to go from here right he's going to be making all the decisions so i get why lewis riddick is a very strong candidate and again i know that with us as lions fans the matt millen experience does sour us a little bit with somebody who comes from tv uh but i would like to remind you that it can be done john lynch was a color commentator on fox becomes the general manager of the san francisco 49ers out of nowhere and last year they're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Did he win GM of the Year? He, he might have. He might have. I'm. I'm. I'm really trying to find that right. Because he. He. I mean, he built a, a uh, Super Bowl contending team. Uh, yes, Pro Football Writers Association made him the 2019 NFL Executive of the Year. Mm. So it does work. The downside with Lewis Riddick, and here's the only my only problem with Lewis Riddick is. From all sources I've heard, uh, when it comes to Lewis Riddick, if you hire Lewis Riddick, his ideal head coach is Josh McDaniels. Do we really want to go back to New England? He can't do that. He can't do that with us. 
Yeah. And here's the thing. He, anytime a GM job comes open, Lewis Riddick is always floated as a possibility. And when it comes down to it, maybe he just really likes doing TV, man. It's a sweet gig. You get to give your opinions. You get to be paid a lot of money to not have people in a fan base actively hate you. <laughs> he also, Riddick wants to keep, he loves Stafford. If he can, he, I'm pretty sure he has a man crush on Stafford. So that's another thing. That's another reason for uh, potentially what we'd have to look at in terms of if we want Riddick to, you know, the direction we want to go with Stafford because I think Riddick loves him. So my pick, if I'm Sheila Hamford, is I'm going to do whatever I can to get Rick Smith of the Houston Texans to be my general manager. He was the general manager there for 11 years. He was there. He built the first rise of the Houston Texans and built that second and began what is now the second wave of hopefully relevance with the Houston Texans. Obviously they went to the second round last year, but also they've shit the bed by giving up DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of peanuts. Rick Smith drafted DeAndre Hopkins 27th overall and drafted franchise quarterback Deshaun Watson at 12. Just speaking for what have you done for me lately as a general manager, it's very rare that you're going to go out there and get a general manager who's been a general manager before. So to me, it's Rick Smith. He's open to becoming a GM again. As of last year, he came out and said he would be open to becoming a GM again in the right situation, which again, when it comes to Lewis Riddick that you spoke on earlier, it's going to be the right situation to get his ass off TV. It's going to be the right situation to get Rick Smith to come out of semi-retirement and become the Lions general manager. So in that sense, are you saying he's your, he's your number one guy? Oh, without a doubt. Rick Smith is my number one guy. If I'm Sheila Ham Ford, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get somebody who has been a general manager and an executive before because the president of my team openly says that this is the only organization that he can be the president of because he's known the Fords for years. He was their accountant, and he's just moved up the ranks. The one thing with this weekend is... Radwood was not reassigned to another position in the organization and he's still the president. So because that's the route that we're going, which is not a great idea, although the only thing that Radwood has going for him is he's gone through this search before. Maybe he knows what he did wrong the last time. He remembers the questions that he should have asked the last time to get a better quality candidate. Although when Bob Quinn was hired, it was seen as a home run pick. That's the only reason that I could justify with Rod Wood still being here. We need to, I mean, Patricia and Quinn is a, is a perfect example of hype. Right. And, and at the time you're like, this is the guy we need this guy. We got to go out, you know, throw that, throw out that out the window. I can't believe Matt Patricia even was able to coach a game for this because he was hired the summer after the Me Too movement. And as soon as he was hired, the rape allegations against Matt Patricia that did not hinder him getting hired in New England because Massachusetts does not require a background check for that kind of thing because he was never 
one arrested for it or two actually brought on charges for it. But it was very interesting when that came out that it didn't get more scrutiny. Uh, he just had that terrible ass uh, press conference where he just said, the allegations are there. I deny it to every single thing. Yeah. And, you know, steering the wheel back to just the approach from, and you know, from going from here with Sheila and how we think they're going to approach hiring these two very, very important positions for our future. Do you think that she's going to go by, okay, let's fly this hire the GM and then he'll hire the coach. Or do you think they're going to go with the route of let's, let's hire them both and they don't come as a package, but we're just going to approach it separately. So when it comes to, you're going to hire your GM first. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, because you're, it's really hard to hire a GM if you have a coach in place, because if you're the general manager, you're going to have your X's and O's kind of figured out for what you want for a coach. And then it's kind of a feeling out process because essentially it's a, it's a marriage between two people because look at Quinn and Patricia. Quinn got to pick his head coach. His head coach was a disaster and now he's gone. So it's, you're going to want, you're going to pick your GM first before you pick your head coach. Um, you're going to, for right now, you're going to have Daryl Bevel as the interim head coach through the end of the year. I would like to bring up my conspiracy. Are you ready for a conspiracy theory on Daryl Bevel before we start going into possible head coaches for the, for the Lions? Uh, oh, yeah. Put, Give it to I'm me. Gonna, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. Daryl Bevel, in my opinion, and we will find this out for a while, Daryl Bevel did everything in his power to get Matt Patricia fired. That is my personal opinion. There's no look at the offensive game plan against Carolina. Wait, do you think like, do you think Bevel wants the the job? Oh, without a doubt, he wants the job. He's trying to get that job. He knew that Matt Patricia wasn't going anywhere, and so he had the worst offensive plan for a football team that was starting an XFL quarterback. And let's look at the beginning of the second half against the Texans. We're down nine. And I understand that the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans had the worst rush defense in the league. So we're down nine at half. We come out in the beginning of the third quarter and we run Nine consecutive times. It moved the ball down the field. It ate the fuck out of the clock. <laughs> I've been waiting for this podcast. I I literally was watching this. Like, oh, we're running well, again. Oh, we're running again. Oh, he's actually doing it. He is committing mutiny, and he is trying to get this man fired. Wait, but I actually, I actually liked it when they did that because they did move the ball down the field. They did move the ball, and then yeah, didn't the drive, and then, and then the drive stalled. Yeah, it was that the same drive when he uh, they tried the trick play with Stafford catching it. Well, why, why that? See, that's what I'm like. Well, why the hell are you trying that? Because we moved the ball 
you know. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's moving the ball. It's knowing that we're going up against a garbage rush defense. Yeah. Meanwhile, we tried to get the run going against Carolina, which also has a garbage rush defense, and we didn't. We ran for 40 yards. We go against a superiorly inferior rush defense, so we can move the ball, but it also just drains that clock so that, yeah, we get down into the red zone. If we score, that's great, but also I know that I've put us in a place where if they score, if they even get back up against nine, we're going to be right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. We're going to go in with our backs against the walls yet again. And the defense can't fucking stop their offense. So let's, let's do this. Let's run the hell out of the ball. And then when we get in the red zone, Hey, Sheila, I see you up there in that owner's box. Let me show you a sexy ass trick play that we've been working on. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to see this as your head coach? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it didn't work. Uh, it was it was an incomplete pass. It was reviewed again, still an incomplete pass, and we settled for a field goal. But when I watched that drive specifically, the entire time I was thinking, Bevel is trying to get Patricia fired. All of this is magnified because our defense was just god awful. I've never watched. I've been watching the Lions for years, every single game. I've never been so. I guess less confident in the Lions defense to get a stop when we need one. I automatically assume on a third and six, oh, we're going to give up. We're not going to get the stop. It's just, it's, uh, I really, and, and Patricia's supposed to be the defensive guy, but, you know, obviously that was, that went backwards. But, well, so who's your, who is your, you know, getting into head coaches? Who's your favorite? All right, so I'm going to run down the list here of possible head coaches. Uh, you're going to have Eric Bieniemy, who is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, been there, been there for years. Um, became the offensive coordinator in 2018. He's uh, 51. You would think that he would want us. They would. Kansas City would do everything in their power to hold on to the enemy. But Andy Reid, even though Andy Reid has been a NFL head coach since even I was in elementary school and pretty much your entire life. Come on, boy. Hey, you know how we do, boy. Hey, (laughs) he signed a contract extension just weeks ago. So when it comes to a longtime head coach like that, they don't get into specifics of the contract extension. So I could not find an exact. Is he signed through 2023? Is he signed through 2026? So that's somebody that they're going to be looking at. But also when it comes to when it comes to head coach and GM jobs, uh, we're going to there's going to be at least five new head coaches hired. Uh, there's three teams that have already fired their head coach: Atlanta, us, and Houston who just beat us on Thursday. Atlanta will also Atlanta just, also need to hire new GMs like we will. Um, it's The Jets are 0-11. They're going to fire their head coach. And then you have a couple other, just based on the NFL, there's going to be, there's five new hires every year, it feels like. So does Houston, or, I'm sorry, does Jacksonville with only one win, do they decide to get a new coach? 
Uh, does Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, do they think there's somebody on the market that could help out the progression of, of Joe Burrow, much like Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona? Minnesota might fire their head coach because they're underachieving this year with uh, a team that they would have expected for a deep playoff run this year. So there's always going to be another team there. And with the four certains, because the Jets are not going to bring back Adam Gase if they go 0-16, 1-15, they ultimately only still have Adam Gase so that they don't bring in somebody that could potentially win a game for them. But who's your top three then? With all of that, with all these openings, who's your top three and who are you going with? Yeah, let me run down the list here. So Eric Bieniemy. there's Joe Brady, who is the offensive coordinator for Carolina that I've seen mentioned there. Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans. Um, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Matt Eberflush, the defensive coordinator for the uh, Indianapolis Colts which I think that that would only be a, a possibility if we hire Ed Dodds to be our general manager. I'm pretty sure he'd want to bring his boy in from Indianapolis. Uh, in Indianapolis, he's looked as Indianapolis, I do not hear enough about their defense. He, they are currently fifth in points allowed and second in yards allowed. They are a top five defense just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's somebody to look at. But when it comes to it, Gosh, I I would want to go. I'm just going off the names. Can we get somebody from college? Can we get somebody with head coaching experience? Maybe not somebody who's been fired from multiple places. I'm kind of done with us just elevating coordinators. If I had to go with that list there, I mean, Robert Sala is a Dearborn native. Um, He's been the the DC in San Francisco the last couple of years. Um, I would take anybody from a Shanahan coaching tree. That would excite me. Joe Brady in his first year as offensive coordinator with the Panthers has been so-so, but I would like to pass out that he's in his first year. Uh, Last year, he was the passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach for the national champion, LSU Tigers. So that's, that's something to look at there. Can I can I ask you a question here before you go into who you're looking at? Because if I if I I'm I'm a can we throw as can we throw as much money as the Ford family can at Ryan Day? Can we get somebody from college that's proven that they can do it? That's something that honestly I'm not against coordinators. That's generally how you get a job in this league. But man, when you look at some of the best coaches in the NFL. When you look at your Pete Carroll's out there in Seattle, uh, even though he got himself into some trouble at USC, he did did do it there at USC. I mean, he's, Pete Carroll's the second best coach of the decade. Oh, yeah. Besides Belichick. I mean, look at yeah. his success. He's, he's The Seahawks are good every year. But you're, so you're saying, uh, you know, if you could pull somebody from college, who would it be? It'd be... It'd be Ryan Day, so although it would be very Lions esque if we get to January and the Lions hired Jim Harbaugh to be the new coach, that would be awful, straight up awful. And I'm a Michigan fan, but All right. let me let me let me let me let me hear your opinion on this, Alvin. I have I, the good thing is there's a good, there's a good amount of good names out there. 
right now, if you were to ask me, which you are, <laughs> I think I want Robert Sala because, I mean, not just obviously he's a dear, you know, a Dearborn native. He was raised here. He's definitely, you know, has his roots here. But you hit it. You hit it on the nail with you want someone with the Kyle Shanahan tree. His defense was phenomenal last year when they went to the Super Bowl. He's also a guy that he can really, he's a guy that players will rally around. You can tell. I mean, he just he has a bunch of fire. I think he's going to light a fire with this organization. I think he brings a lot of energy. And he's also one of those guys, look, we it's not a secret that the Lions are um, haven't gotten favored with, or haven't gotten favorable calls, I would say. I feel like he's one of those guys that's going to make it known that, hey, we're the Lions. We're not going to be pushed around. I like Salah. Um, Eric Biennemi, I also really like. I don't think, I just don't think he's going to take the, I don't think he's going to choose us. I think he's going to go to Houston. He has Deshaun Watson there. He's really good with Worth running quarterbacks. You have the number one overall pick and most likely draft uh, Trevor Lawrence. You also have Atlanta that's kind of in the same boat that we are uh, with an aging quarterback. So you're going to be looking at a rebuild. But the one thing, and I mean no disrespect to uh, Sheila Ford Hamp here, everybody knows Arthur Blank as a good owner. He doesn't have to prove that in any interview. It's well known throughout the league that he's a good owner. So that's that's going to be the thing that puts Atlanta over us in any of these hires. It puts us still at fourth, regardless of what happens with any other opening in the NFL. It's going to be Houston. I feel Houston at number one, even though you don't have a first-round pick uh, because they traded that, you're going to have – but you have Deshaun Watson at your disposal. Uh, number two, you're going to be the Jets, where it's like, hey, you're the Jets, but you also have the – number one overall pick, and you are most likely coming from outside that organization. So you're going to come in and be like, okay, we got the number one overall pick. Uh, we're going to change the culture fully here. And then you have at three there, Atlanta, good owner. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be indicative of who's the GM. That's why I brought up uh, Ed Dodds where it's like, Hey, maybe we take a chance on uh, Matt Eberflush. I also like uh, Brady out of uh, Carolina because then you get a young guy. He's only 31 years old. Uh, so you get that Sean McVay-esque coach if we're going to go coordinator. Um, that's if you're looking for what's what's worked in the NFL. I mean, Sean McVay has definitely worked out for the uh, – <laughs> for the LA Rams, there's no disputing that. So it's, but it's going to be indicative on the GM and what they're looking at. If you hire Lewis Reddick, you're probably looking at having to talk him out of Josh McDaniels, and then you might straight talk him out of the job. Yeah, I, I just, I, I know Enemy is a hot, a really hot name, and I just don't think he's going to choose us. I think he's going to choose, he's going to go a different route. I think he's got Deshaun Watson there in Houston. So. I mean, I hear you. It's still early in the process. Things could change, but I, I would say my guy right now would be Robert Sala. But then if you were going to the college route, the dream for me would be Urban Meyer. It's not going to happen, though. But then if we're going to go to the college route, Lincoln Riley. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, 
these offensive minded, you know, uh, coaches in the NFL, hence the Arizona, um, they came from college. Was it Cl- Kingsbury? Yep. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. I mean, he came from the, from college, right? Yep. He was, uh, came from Texas tech. He was yeah. Addy Mahomes coach in college. Yeah. So if you could look for a guy like that, Hey, Lincoln Riley, I mean, he's been great at Oklahoma and his offenses. He's had what two Heisman winners under his watch. Yep. At least two. Oh, wait, Kyler Murray, Baker, and Jalen Hurts almost won one one when he was there. Yep. So yeah, I mean, he's also potentially a great, you know, candidate. Yeah, if we're if he's looking to come to the NFL, that'd be a uh, chance. But even though it is the Lions, um, it's just a reminder that there are only 32 of these positions in the NFL as the head coach that exist in the world. So we can be like, oh, we're the Lions. But eventually somebody who wants to be a head coach is, is going to have, they're also going to have limited resources. There's only 32 teams. And as I said, generally about, there's about a 25% turnover. So you have five chances every year to become an NFL head coach. So. And yeah, we're the Lions, but, if you have success with us here, oh boy, you're, you're we're gonna love you. If you can win uh, a playoff game, one playoff game in sixty three years. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, I haven't even witnessed in my lifetime. I haven't witnessed a home playoff game, and I haven't even witnessed obviously a playoff win either in my lifetime. Yep. So I don't know how it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Win. Yeah, imagine a head coach that gets a uh, gets a playoff win for the Lions here in your lifetime. What are you gonna do? I, I imagine you would just cry. I don't. I. I don't know what I do. Gen are the. Uh, are I'm gonna the, go uh, soft and, and sentimental types. If okay, you know what? If the Lions, I'll put this on record right here. If the Lions win a playoff game in my lifetime. I will go down Woodward. In just my boxers or underwear. And I will hold that Lions flag up and run down there for 10 minutes. Nobody wants to see that. That is not a joy for anybody. Come on, boy. Hey, no. you know how we do, boy. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with you? All right. So, one thing that I want to get at before we get here uh, quick, well, two things your expectations for the last five games and when we bring in the new regime, do you think that Stafford will still be here? So last five games, I just want us to be competitive. Don't really care about the win to losses. Um, we're not bad enough to have a top five top or top three pick. So it's not like we can just be like tank, tank, tank. Um, and we're also, not going to make the playoffs. So I just want us to compete. I don't think we really have anything to lose. I don't think I don't want Bevel as our next head coach. So um, I don't want us to go five and oh, but uh, you know, I, I just think just go out there and compete. You don't really have anything to lose at this point. We're going in a new direction. And with Stafford, me personally, I think we should have drafted Tua. I think we should have, Really, just cut the cut the uh, cut this hope that Stafford's going to take us to the promised land. He's been here for twelve years. 
he's had a good career, but we're not going to win a Super Bowl with him. And that's what are we trying to do here? We're trying to win a Super Bowl, right? We're not we're not trying to just be mediocre. And if there's been one constant with the Lions for the past ten years, it's Matt Stafford. He's had four offensive coordinators. How many head coaches? Three, three, right? It's going to be his fourth. He's had three three head coaches uh, going on his fourth. Yep, and all of those guys are fired. He's the one constant, and no playoff wins. He's a good. He's a he's an above average quarterback. He's going to go down with lots of stats. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not going to go to a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford. I truly believe that, and and. I think we if we need to go in a, into a different direction. It's almost like what the Chargers did with Philip Rivers, you know. But here's the thing: Philip Rivers actually won playoff games, and Stafford didn't. So yeah, we need to we need to we got to move on. Yeah, because as soon as the news came down yesterday, my one thought was: Can I name any quarterback that has been a franchise quarterback? forever for a team that has had four head coaches and three general managers. And the closest is Phillip Rivers, who played a couple more years with the Chargers, had four head coaches and two GMs. But as you said, Phillip Rivers has won playoff games. Matthew Stafford has not. It's going to be really hard. I don't know. I don't know why people think it's going to be so easy to trade Stafford. It's not. The game has changed where you had the Panthers openly trying to trade Cam Newton last offseason. They had to cut him. You're not going to find any team that's going to trade for Stafford. I would love to. I would love to see it. it here's the thing. If we bring in a GM and he's able to trade Matthew Stafford in the offseason, maybe Sheila Ford made the right decision there with the GM because it's going to be really, really hard to trade Matthew Stafford. Even that it comes with a $13 million. What I think is going to happen is it's, it's going to, we're going to wait until after June 1st and then we're going to cut Matthew Stafford. We'll have a $13 million dead cap. The next season we're rebuilding anyway, who gives a fuck about the cap. We're also always really under the cap. So we have money there to spend along with all the other free agents, it's the perfect time to rebuild the team. And hopefully this time build it right. And then in, and then 2022 season, it's $3 million of dead cap. We're not going to notice it. So yeah, it's time, it's time to move on. It's time to move on from Stafford. I would have, we are both in agreement that we should have drafted Tua last year, but we decided to draft Jeff Okuda, 133rd best cornerback in the league as rookie year. <laughs> so, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Okuda time, but yeah, no, it's we need to move on. And you know, Stafford, you're you've done you've done so many good things for the city of Detroit. You're a great example, great family guy, great. You know, he's he gives back. Not we can't knock the guy in terms of just yeah per, being a good person. No, you can't you can't knock the guy. He's been the best quarterback in either of our lifetimes for the team. Yeah. But, you got to know when to move on. And I think it's time to move on. Uh, and he, he's, he's, oh, in terms of talent, 
He's probably our second in my lifetime. I think he's our second best quarterback behind uh, Dante Culpepper. Because when we had Culpepper, we were <laughs> we were firing that thing, boy. He was firing that thing. That lost to the audio audience for this. Oh my god, I fucking hate you so much. All right, uh, yeah, it's I. I would move on from Stafford and. I think you're dead on. I want to see us be competitive, but lose as much as possible. Yeah. I hope Daryl Bevel shows what he can do for other teams when he gets hired as somebody else's offensive coordinator next year. Right. But we need to move. We need to get as good of draft capital. Uh, we let a man that we f- were going to fire one month before the trade deadline trade two draft picks for Everson Griffin. We also let him seven months before he was fired, make a pick in the NFL draft. So it, the, the backs up against the wall. We're not, yeah, we're not going to, the Jets are probably going to go 0 and 16 Jaguars. Bengals are probably going to hold city at two and three. You, you know, so, it's funny. We're, we're with Arizona losing today. We're only two games behind Arizona for the final playoff spot, but I mean, it's and not going to have the tiebreaker because we beat them. Yeah. But I, I, I will say I want one thing. I, I'm hoping one thing the Lions can do for the rest to end off the season. I think the Vikings are making a run here. They're looking for that last playoff spot and we're playing the Vikings to close out the year. Let's ruin that party, baby. Let's knock them out of the playoffs. All right, so we don't have to do a podcast for a month. It's just all of us celebrating when we knock the Vikings out of the playoffs week 17. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> that's that's the plan. Beat uh, Honestly, just beat the Bears and beat the Vikings, and I don't care about the, the rest of the games. Uh, I'm competitive against all of them, and let's just go 0-5. Let's go in. Let's go 4-12 and 12 <laughs> and go from there. Yeah. All right, I think that wraps it up here for for Motown Call here. Again, Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, fired. All right, we done.